0: Tennessee emptied the bench against UConn this past weekend. Let's take a look at the stats that matter. Snap counts, blocking grades, coverage grades, pass rushing grades. Who stood out and who passed the grade book? PFF Wednesday right here on Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank hey, you Wednesday morning, you beautiful people. Shout out to and Welcome to Locked On Vols. It is your team every single day. Can't thank you enough for being here, making Locked On Vols your first listen. Of course, this is a production, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That is your team, Tennessee Volunteers, every single day. As always, our Wednesday uh, show programming. If you're watching on YouTube right now, you see that I have the wrong background behind me here. Let me just go ahead and change that. But you already know it's Wednesday, so we're going to have Josh Ward. In segment number three, Ward Wednesday. But first, in segments one and two, we're gonna look at the stats that matter per pro football focus. Could do this podcast today without our friends over at FanDuel. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet. That's a hundred and fifty bucks if your team wins. All you need to do is visit fanduel.com locked on to go ahead and get started today. All right, pro football focus stats that matter. Again, there were so many guys that played in this football game. It's almost impossible to cover everybody, but just some of the notables, Joe Milton led the way with an 88.6 overall grade. That is 1.4 away from being considered elite. Of course, he had a really strong day, hit on some explosive plays, only missed three passes. He played 30 snaps. Nobody on the offensive end played over 30 yeah, 30 snaps. I think those start 35 snaps for Mel Keaton, 38 snaps for Cooper Mace. That's right. Cooper Mace came in and played a little bit with Nikko. So I, no starter on the offensive end played more than 38 snaps. And I think that's really, really important here. Um, and again, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, you take it for what it's worth. Pro football focus. I don't put a whole lot of stock into the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, into the overall grades. I'll take a look at the, you know, the nitty gritty, the pass blocking grades, the coverage grades, all that type of stuff. But They do have a different grading scale. Elite is 90 to 99. Very good is 80 to 89. Above average starter is 70 to 79. Average starter is 60 to 69. And below average starter is 50 to 59, while less than 50 is considered a backup level player. So that overall grade here for Joe Milton at 88.6, that's really close to being an elite grade. Jalen Wright, 88.1 on 15 snaps. Nico Imaliava, 84.1 on 15 snaps. That's noteworthy. Um... Yeah, have castles 76.2 on 29 snaps. Dylan Samson played 15 snaps. I thought this was interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, an opportunity to really rest Jacob Warren. Jacob Warren played nine snaps in this football game. Just nine snaps. Good on Tennessee's coaching staff. Resting the six-year guy and making sure his legs are fresh for uh, this stretch coming down the, uh, coming down here at the end of the season, 34 snaps for Dante Thornton. Again, I mentioned 38 snaps for Cooper Mays, 30 snaps for Gerald Mincy, 15 snaps for Dane Davis. I'm just trying to read some of the notables here. Spragans had 38 snaps. Crawford had 38 snaps. Addison Nichols played 22 snaps. His overall grade was 56.2, which was not that great, but again, it's, is what it is. Ollie Lane played 30 snaps. Jackson Lampley played 14 snaps. Uh, let's go and uh, take a look at some of the nitty gritty here, and let's look at the blocking grades. Ollie Lane had the best pass blocking grade at 81.3. Cooper Mays had an 80.8 pass blocking grade. Uh, Jeremiah Crawford had a 77.3 pass blocking grade. You know, all the pass blocking grade—I mean, really, the only only horrible ones were down here at the bottom with some of these um, some of these walk-ons and backups. Uh, some of these third and fourth stringers, to be completely honest with you. That's when the pass blocking grades get really bad. But overall, I mean, Jackson Lamp, Javante Spragnitz had a 52.2, which is not fantastic. But I mean, everybody else is, that matters is in 60 above. Let's go to run blocking grade, shall we? Uh, McCallum Castles, and I can believe it too. He had a really good day blocking. 87.2 run blocking grade. It's a really solid grade. Um, Jacob Warren and his nine reps. Um, he had his nine snaps, he had six pass-blocking reps and had a 77.4, including that little split zone, getting up to the to the second layer of that linebacker and springing Jalen Wright on the 83-yard touchdown run on the opening drive, or 82-yard, whatever it was. Oh, Vison Lang, I didn't mention him earlier. Vison Lang got 14 snaps. I thought that was big because he might be your center next year. Um, but anyway, the run-blocking braids, again, were good. Everybody that matters was over 60 with the exception of, Jeremiah Crawford was at 53.3. Ollie Lane was at 55 points, 51.6. But again, you run for 275 yards. There's not a whole lot of things you're going to be nitpicking here. Let's take a look at uh, the directional passing. So this is uh, Joe Milton. Joe Milton was two for three on passes, 20 yards down the field or greater. Two for two between the numbers, two touchdowns, 143 yards. He was. Two for three on passes 10 to 19 yards. So intermediates for 32 yards. Joe Milton within 10 yards. He was 6 for 6 for 72 yards. And behind the line of scrimmage, he was 1 for 1 for 7 yards. Again, Joe Milton had a really good day. He was um kept clean on 71.4% of his drop packs. He was not blitzed 70 or 92.9% of the time. So really they only blitzed him a little over 7% of the time, and and his grades are really good. 88% when kept clean, 85% when under pressure, 92% when he wasn't blitzed. Again, Joe Milton had himself a day. Let's look at uh, Nico, shall we? Nico Iamaliava only threw it eight times, of course, played two series, no passes of 20 yards or more down the field, but he was three for three in the intermediate game. I think that's noteworthy because that's something where, where Joe Milton has not been as sharp this year. Three for three in the intermediate game for forty-five yards. <clears throat> Excuse me. He was uh, one for two in passes uh, within ten yards for twenty-eight yards, and he was one for one behind the line, one for two behind the line of scrimmage for eleven yards. And of course, that touchdown went to McCowen Castles. It was nineteen yards, so it was right on the brink of being a uh, a, a, a deep pass because it was nineteen yards. Deep passes are twenty yards or more down the field. So again, quarterback play was really, really solid for uh Tennessee. Really the entire game. The entire game long. Um again, it was just an overall grade. There's not a whole there's not a whole lot to say on the offensive end. Tennessee just Really with that tail. Uh, what about defensively? We'll take a look at Tennessee's defense, um, all that and more as we continue on right here on Locked On Balls. Do you want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks? proud sponsor of the show, and it's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, just shoot against the numbers instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks. You pick more or less than two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey, a 10 and a half combo and three pointers made plus receptions. You want to play alongside PricePix favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the PriceBix community each and every week. So, even the best part about it, haven't even mentioned it. If you go to pricepixcom slash locked on college, use the promo code locked on college, you're going to get an instant deposit match up to $100 for your first deposit. Meaning, if I put in $75, it's my first deposit, price is going to match me $75. 50? They'll match me 50. Up to 100 on your first deposit. All that and more. It's so much fun over PricePix.com. PricePix.com slash locked on college. Pricepix.com slash locked on college for an instant deposit match up to $100 in your first deposit. That's PricePix.com slash locked on college. We continue on with our pro football focused stats that matter show right here on Locked On Balls. We got Ward Wednesday, Josh Ward coming up in segment number three. We will have a locked on crossover tomorrow. So, uh, really, really looking forward to that, and we talk, we'll talk with uh, Lockdown Mizzou, and really figure out who is Missouri this year and what has made Missouri so effective. Look at the Pro Football Focus overall grades and snap counts. Tyler Barron, number two on the list, uh, on players that you know actually play in this football game. Twenty-six snap count, eighty percent overall was his grade. Jalen McCullough, forty snaps, seventy-six point nine percent was his grade. Andre Turns on seventy-six point two, that was good. He played thirty-four snaps. James Pierce, 24 snaps, 76%. Gabe Judy Lolly, 33 snaps, 72%. Tamari McDonald, 25 snaps, 71%. Aaron Beasley, 39 snaps, 69%. So, you know, really, if you're a starter on this football team, you didn't play more than, I think 40 was the cutoff. Wesley Walker played 46 snaps. Wesley Walker played 46 snaps. Jalen McCullough played 40 snaps, and those two guys, obviously safeties, uh, were the highest snap getters of the starters. Now, Jordan Thomas played a lot of football. Jordan Thomas played 48 snaps. He played a lot of star, even with the starters in this football game and well into the second half when the reserves were in. So um, that was that was really cool to see. Jordan Thomas the guy that's going to play a lot of football, in my opinion, uh, for Tennessee next year. Let's look at the missed tackles. Tennessee missed tackles in this football game, 13. Three from Tyree West, two from Jeremiah T. Lander, two for Wesley Walker, two from Aaron Beasley, one from Caleb Perry, two from Gabe Judy Lolly, one from Andre Turrentine, and that brings you to 13. Overall, I thought Tennessee tackled pretty well, especially on the perimeter. I thought Ricky Gibson. I thought Gabe Judy Lolly, I thought um, Danico Slaughter. I thought all those guys really tackled well. In fact, let's look at those tackling grades. D'Anico Slaughter was at 79.3 with his tackling grade, which is 0.7 away. From, yeah, 0.7 away from being considered um, very, very good. Ricky Gibson, his tackling grade was 79.3. So, again, really, really good. Jordan Thomas' tackling grade was 83.3. I thought he was really solid. It gave Judy Lolly. His tack, see, again, this is why I don't quite, I mean, you can take it as a basis, but you can't just run with it like it's gospel. Gabe Judy Lawley's tackling grade was 15.4. Sure, they have him down for two missed tackles, but he literally secured the tackle, stripped the football that led to a defensive touchdown. It was all him. It was literally all him. So I'm not sure why G- Gabe Judy Lolly's tackling grade sits at 15.4. I don't quite understand that, but alas, it's, not to my thing to grade. Um, so again, a, a lot of these things that kind of stood out to me during the football game, kind of reflect that in these grades thought Elijah Simmons played really well. His overall grade is 67.9 reflects that. Let's find Carrot Garland. thought Carrot Garland played one of his better football games. Let's see here. So many guys played on the defensive end. Here's Carrot Garland overall grade of 57.6. Okay. Uh, again, uh, pro football focus doesn't know individual assignments. Doesn't know which gap they're supposed to hold, so it's kind of hard to grade that. But Craig Garland's played, played 34 snaps. I'd say that's probably probably a career high for him, to be honest with you. Uh some newcomers made their Tennessee debuts. Trevor Duncan. He played in his first Tennessee football game. Um and some other guys. So let's take a look at um let's take a look at pass rush and who kind of stood out in that regard. Tennessee did not have but one sack on the day. And, of course, that was by way of an intentional grounding. So, really, they didn't even have a sack. They did have 13 TFL, so I think that's important. James Pierce Jr. was credited with uh, seven, let's see, three hurries. James Pierce Jr. was credited with three hurries. Tyler Barron was credited with three hurries. Aaron Beasley, Omar Norman Lott, Jordan Thomas, Joshua Josephs, all were credited with one hurry. And then Tyree West actually credited with two hurries quarterback hits. Joshua Josephs had a hit on the quarterback. Jordan Thomas had a hit on the quarterback. Jeremiah T. Lander had a hit on the quarterback and Karat Garland had a hit on the quarterback. So again, Tennessee never got home was well, applying some pressure, but Tennessee will need to get home and gets Brady cook this week for sure. And also force him into some bad decisions. Uh, rush defense, who was the best against the run? Tamari McDonald had the highest grade at 77.6. Tyler Barron was up there, Aaron Beasley, Andre Turantine, Jason Jenkins, who played six snaps, good for him. Uh, Jeremiah T. Lander, Omar Norman Law, Jordan Thomas. All those guys were in the 70s, which is really good, really good. It's considered, uh, considered above-average starter. Elijah Simmons, Jalen McCullough, James Pierce Jr., Ricky Gibson, Brandon Turnage. Roman Harrison, Jalen Smith got a lot of action the other day. That's good to see all those guys scored in the sixties. So those guys were best against the run. Looks like a Let's look at pass defense. That's actually looking coverage, Shall we? All right. This is what we liked. Uh, this is what we like to see a lot of the coverage snaps. Caleb Perry, who's playing, a, who played a lot more because Aaron Carter didn't play in that football game. And of course he's in our third down package. Caleb Perry was targeted three times through the air, gave up two receptions for five yards. And again, the defense didn't allow a touchdown on the day, so nobody allowed a passing touchdown. Jalen McCullough targeted twice, gave up no receptions. Gabe Judy Lawley targeted four times, gave up two receptions for 33 yards. Warren Burrell targeted three times, gave up no receptions. Ricky Gibson targeted six times, gave up two receptions for only six yards. Again, I thought he played really well. Jordan Thomas, targeted three times, gave up two receptions for five yards. Tamari McDonald, targeted once, gave up a catch for seven yards. Danico Slaughter, this is not what you want to see, targeted five times, gave up five receptions for 47 yards. Again, some of those, especially the one that was the big chunk play, the the long of 18 yards or whatever, I mean, where was the safety help over the top? They were playing zone coverage, and Jalen McCullough or Wesley Walker won really slow over the top to help on that flag route and so again that pro football folks that know that they just see the number trailing the receiver and just assume that that was this guy but anyway Denico slaughter five targets give up five receptions for 47 yards anybody else that matter oh this one's not good elijah herring in the middle of the field again linebackers go a bit picked on because they're in the area most targeted six times give up six receptions for 59 yards was elijah herring Wesley Walker targeted twice, gave up one reception for the 31 yards. And Jeremiah T. Lander, another linebacker, targeted four times, gave up three receptions for 23 yards. Anyway, you want to spin it, again, it's kind of tough going back and looking at the pro football focus grades because Tennessee just beat the crap out of UConn as it was supposed to do. Complete domination, Tennessee over UConn, and that's what it was. We will officially look forward to Missouri uh, starting with a Locked On crossover edition tomorrow and, of course, my official preview Friday, and uh, we'll get Boogie Bentley on as well. Plus, we we'll Josh Ward about Missouri, a little bit about some of these young guys are playing the UConn game, about the SEC overall, a little hoops talk as well, plus a really fun question to end the show, and I want you to think about it. We can actually talk about this, uh, make it a segment, make it a show if we want to later on, but it's a really good question that's coming up next in my conversation with Josh Ward for a little Ward Wednesday right here on Locked On Balls. Do do want to tell you about our friends, Fanduel? FanDuel, it's America's number one sports book Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There's no better time to get in on that action than right now with college football season, the NFL, and now basketball season's here. The NBA has been going on for a little while. College basketball season has started Tennessee. A couple of nights ago, took care of Tennessee Tech. We'll be on the road to Wisconsin this weekend, and there will be totals, money line, and, of course, player props for that Tennessee basketball game as well as Tennessee football, Missouri. All that and more. It's at FanDuel.com. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season today. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. As we do each and every week, we conclude our Wednesday show by checking in with Josh Ward of 99.1 The Sports Animal, co-host of Josh and Swain with VFL uh, Jason Swain, as we call this little bit, Award Wednesday. Josh, Tennessee did exactly what it was supposed to do. It got in, it took care of business, it got out, it looked good doing it. 59-3 to over UConn.
1: Yeah, Tennessee did everything that we kind of demand in those kinds of games. And by the way, when teams come out and they don't play well in those games, and it looks like they're overlooking the opponent, sometimes I will be Understandable because I often overlook that kind of game. We didn't talk much about the UConn game itself. We talked about how Tennessee could use the game last week on our radio show, but the Vols did that. The offense came out and made it look really easy, and that allowed backups to get in, including Nico, which fans wanted to see in the second half, and I know some wanted to see more of him. That's perfectly fine, but it was easy. Tennessee cruised against UConn as it was supposed to to get ready for more important things, starting with with Missouri.
0: When you look at this Missouri game, well, I, I guess we'll, we'll tie a bow on the Yukon game. Again, there's not much talking, leading up to it. Not a whole lot of talk, leaving it, it just kind of is what it is. Um, three defensive touchdowns offensively, the explosive plays were back. And then you mentioned Nico got in there and, and had two drives and he looked really good doing it. Uh, what were your, uh, which one was more impressive? The explosive plays, the defensive touchdowns or Nico's performance? Well, I would probably say the defensive
1: touchdowns to have three in a game and make some history for the program, which has a ton of history, I think says something. The, I mean, Jalen Wright just being able to bust through and run more than 80 yards for a touchdown is really impressive. Swain gave me a hard time because we talked about impressive individual plays, and he went with uh, Tyler Barron's touchdown. It was a great play with uh, Gabe Judy Lally and then Barron with the return. And that was going to be my answer. So I went with Ramel Keaton's touchdown because it was so easy. Because they yeah. pulled the defensive back. Like he'll never have an easier catch, including in warmups in Neyland Stadium. Because in warm-ups, you have players all over the place. Nobody was nearby. <laughs> uh, so so that, that, to me, was what made it impressive. But the defense, the defensive side just completely dominating as it was expected to. Nico is impressive, though, and I get that fans wanted to see more. I will add in this. I, I brought this up on the show Friday before the UConn game because we fully expected Nico would play. But, Eric, I shared this opinion. Fans wanting to see Nico, totally understandable. Uh, nobody needs to explain why. But often when we talk about the conversation of a young quarterback, especially, or just even young players, but for this case, Nico, getting the experience to help him in the future – I don't think his two series against UConn will have any kind of effect on what kind of quarterback he is in the future. We used to see players redshirt not being allowed to play, and then they would go on and be incredible football players. A little more than a decade ago, we started to see redshirt freshmen go win Heisman trophies, having not played the year before. What Nico sees in practice is a bigger challenge than what he faced against UConn. So, uh, I just I had to get that off my chest a little bit last week. We've seen guys get experience early and then do nothing in their careers. We've seen quarterbacks not get to play their first year or two and then turn out to be stars. I think Nico is going to be a very good player at Tennessee, but not because he
0: was able to get two series. And he wouldn't be a better player if he had played a third series on Saturday. And I'm on the flip side of saying in a 59-3 blowout win, Nico only got two series. I mean, I. Well, what's going on there? But again, I recognize yeah, and game which is, Which is
1: perfectly perfectly fine because I understand fans wanting to see the guy that's a five-star, highly-touted player that has all this ability. And if if you wanted to see more of him, you don't have to explain yourself there. Uh, we, we were kind of joking on Monday that, man, the defense must not like Nico because they kept yeah. scoring and keeping the offense from being able to hit the field. But if he had gotten a
0: third series, it would have no effect on his development as a player next season. Look ahead to Tennessee and Missouri monster game. Uh, Missouri's pretty good on paper, really solid offense, defense. Gets after for the quarterback. He's got a cornerback that's an NFL prospect doing a really good job. Overall, top to bottom, Eli Drinkwitz did a great job with this group. 7-2, and 3-2 and two in SEC play. Tennessee and Missouri playing to see who's at number two in the SEC. And, of course, depending on what happens with Georgia, maybe even playing for a spot in Atlanta the following week, got to take care of business. Your overall thoughts on Missouri mm-hmm. Tigers this year? Yeah, Drinkwitz has improved the team and the program over the last couple of years. Think
1: about that matchup two years ago. That Missouri defense was awful. That game against Tennessee made it look like Missouri hadn't practiced for a second leading up to that game. That was just a weird circumstance. They had a defensive coordinator who's very respected, Steve Wilkes. He's the defense coordinator right now for the 49ers. He's been a head coach in the NFL, but just that didn't work two years ago. Last year, they were improved, and the score is very lopsided, but in the middle of that game, it was not as uh, one-sided. Tennessee pulled away as the second half went along. This year should be closer. The odds makers think that it's going to be closer, and I think that's because their personnel is better. Uh, they, uh, they've improved on both sides of the ball. And Brady Cook, who went into the season having to win the starting job again, not only won it but took off from there, and Tennessee's defense – will have to do a good job of not only pressuring but containing Cook because he can make plays with his legs. And they have receivers that will probably see what Kentucky did against Tennessee and say, we can do that and more against Tennessee's defense. So I think the Vols are the better team going in. And the line quickly shifted toward Tennessee, but not in a massive way. So the Vols have to be ready for this one. It's a road game, which matters. And one win against Kentucky boosts the confidence of how Tennessee will play on the road, but it doesn't tell us everything. Missouri, I think will be fired up to get a win against Tennessee for the first time in a few years,
0: heading up to the zoo. It's going to get wild <laughs> up there at the zoo. I mean, we made jokes. It's kind of not saying that they have a great, uh, home field uh, atmosphere. They might do that in 2021. They did. And it was me, you and a couple of our friends who were at that ballpark at that stadium. Uh, it, it's hard to make fun of that preseason video now when your team's stepping and two. but, uh, yeah. Heading to the zoo. All right. Um, Maybe, that, maybe the Ole rules Miss. and the guidelines they put out
1: for their fans worked as much as they got mocked before the season began. They worked,
0: yeah. Uh, Georgia Ole Miss, how do you see that playing out this weekend?
1: I like Georgia. Uh, night game in Athens at home. Um, I mean, Lane's offense, I think, will go out there and, and challenge them, and I wouldn't be surprised if in the middle of the game at halftime we're talking about, can Ole Miss do something here? But I just keep coming back to Georgia being as good as, as it is, and knowing it has an opportunity to wrap up the East, so it can wrap up an SEC title game appearance, which will put them in a position to play to go back to another college football playoff. I just uh, I have a lot of respect for what Lane has done at Ole Miss. That is a program where he do, he doesn't have all the resources that the big teams do, and he might go in there and and challenge George even better than I expect and pull off an upset. Maybe that happens, and Tennessee obviously needs it. But uh, I just I look at the last couple of weeks. Or really overall this season, the Kentucky game, there was some talk of, hey, could the Wildcats challenge this Georgia team? They haven't they haven't shined yet the way they did the last two years. And then Georgia said, watch this. And then for the Florida game, Georgia didn't have Brock Bowers. And for two weeks the question was, How are they going to respond without their best player? And their answer was, We're going to respond with all our other big time players. Watch <laughs> this. And then as the game went along, kind of a similar response against Missouri. But um, you know, Ole Miss has a shot here. We'll see. I just night game in Athens with Georgia having the chance to do what it can. And I think Georgia will take care of business
0: out the door, a nod to our buddies, Tyler and will, I want you to start bench, cut these three options. The topic is best program on campus right now. You can define that how you want to healthiest wins, losses, recruiting, whatever you want, best program on campus right now, men's basketball, football or baseball. So uh,
1: the basketball team looks like it could be really good this year. Final four, final four. You know, a lot of people think that even outside Knoxville, uh, which might be frightening to Tennessee fans. So um, it should
0: be because it's the month of November. So carry on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, Rick's done it longer at Tennessee than Tony Vitello has, although he's already made it to the College World Series. This is this is right now. You're asking me, correct? Yes. I will start Tennessee basketball. I will bench Tennessee baseball and I'll cut football, which is in terrific shape, having won 11 games last season Mm -hmm. and gone back to back at least six wins before November for the first time in close to 20 years. So that to me is more of a huge statement and praise for the athletic department overall. Uh, Feel free to disagree with me, but I would go basketball, baseball,
0: football. You know it's funny, um, my buddy um, Osborne. He he brought this up to me earlier, you know, this week. And I think my answer was if I was ranking them. He didn't ask me starting cup, but I was ranking. I think my answer was men's basketball, baseball, then football at the time. Football is the number three, and that's just crazy to think at how great of shape it's in. Mm-hmm. But I think right now I've talked myself into you got to go baseball. I understand, Rick Barnes. Uh, he's got that program at an elite level recruiting Tennessee basketball and never recruit where it is now. He's a Hall of Fame coach and like seven different things, but Tony Vitello has gone to the World Series twice in three years. I mean that that's essentially mm-hmm. essentially yeah. that's the Elite Eight, right? Rick Barnes yeah, not taking and, Tennessee to Elite Eight. Yeah, and here's and, another argument against my order that I went
1: with. Like, so if I were to try to pick apart my own choice basketball is in terrific shape and i went more of a national thought but also tennessee has picked to win the sec this year sec basketball has improved over the years it's not at the depth of baseball no. which is probably the strongest honestly in these three sports or football so the route to sec success is easier for basketball compared to baseball or football so uh i the this the quality of program that Tennessee basketball has been for so long. I went kind of longevity with Rick Barnes, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of funny to think. I mean, he is, he's is he been at Tennessee for a long time, longer than Bruce Pearl was at Tennessee. Uh, but if you if you go baseball, I don't think you can go football at the top yet uh, unless you are weighting it by importance. Obviously, football is most important yeah. for the athletic department. But it was between basketball and baseball, obviously, uh, since those are my top two. And if you say baseball based on World Series success, and they're going to be – what preseason top five? You know a little better than me. Definitely preseason top ten. Yeah, than, be preseason uh, top ten. Yeah, then uh, you know they're right there in line, or maybe a little better. than men's basketball, but uh, the the state of this team and the program is is really impressive. But they're all in great shape right now.
0: The recruiting by Rick Barnes and Tony Vattello far and away superior to football right now. Even though football's got some pretty good hauls here. I mean, yeah, <laughs> number one player in the country, Nico. Um yeah. And then you factor in the that base. Some of these baseball players don't even make it to campus. It's even more mind blowing. Anyway, uh, yeah. feel free. I know it's not the off season, but goodness gracious, make that a a a, a five burning question or face off question or make that your segment C on on a slow day. I mean, that's it's good conversation. And you're welcome to my friend Matthew Osborne. All right, Josh, uh, what's coming up the rest of the week, man? We got big game coming up on Saturday, Tennessee and Missouri, and you guys uh, have it all uh, covered and previewed and uh, talked about over on Josh and Swine.
1: Yeah, every day on the radio, 12 to 3, live. You can go back and podcast the show anywhere you get podcasts to search Josh and Swain. So um, most of the conversation is Tennessee football, the Missouri game mattering so much. Some basketball, though, with the Wisconsin game, that's a big one on the road for the Vols this Friday. We also have the Josh and Swain newsletter. It's free once a week, every Friday morning. So recommend you subscribe to that.
0: Yep, you can subscribe to that by hitting the link in the show notes here on this episode. Plus, you guys have Cover Tuesday with uh, with a VFL, right?
1: Yeah, Cover Tuesday. It's Tuesdays at 1 o'clock with former Tennessee and NFL cornerback Jonathan Wade, who is a passionate Tennessee fan now. He's Coach Wade, so he looks at the game through a coach's eyes with the memories of being a player all SEC at Tennessee. He is Josh Ward. Give him a follow on Twitter
0: at Josh underscore Ward. Josh, as always, buddy, appreciate you. Thanks, Eric. All right, and that's going to do it here for this edition of Locked On Balls. Can't thank you enough for being here. Shout out every dayers. We'll come back. We'll cross it over. Locked On Mizzou, Tennessee versus Mizzou. It's getting closer, guys, and uh, we'll preview it all, every single angle right here on Locked On Balls. Thanks so much, and we'll talk again tomorrow.